Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I am your host, Allison, uh, Allison Seigen, and my uh, guest today is Curtis Blaze. This is going to be minute 44, which is going to be 40, uh, 0 hours 43 minutes um, to 0 hours 43 minutes and 59 seconds. How are you doing today, Curtis? I'm <laughs> doing great. Oh my God, I just want to jump in. Is that the is I that too. King George behind uh, 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 Andy? <laughs> In the first oh, yeah. of Gives you vertigo. It really is something. It's classic. Hey, not here. Yeah, I mean, I didn't notice that, but um, it's. I I mostly I yeah I didn't make that note that that call, but there's there again there's just so much here in this movie. It's kind of incredible. I mean, okay, here's what I don't know. The actor Noah Sagan, the guy that plays yeah. the the just house guest, whatever. Yeah, is that the guy that plays King George in Hamilton? No, 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 no. No, okay, it's not okay. Yeah, that's um, uh, why am I blanking? Jonathan Groff. Um, yeah, but but it, but uh, I I love just how immediately tension is able to be like that. Like the tension is is thick in this movie. Um, as, as you have Andy, you have him talking about the Mona Lisa, you've been realizing it's the real thing. And when it, um, just does that rack focus from Andy to Daryl, um, played by Noah Segan, it is just like perfectly dissol- like dissolving that tension and making the audience kind of relax for a, just a minute because oh, it's, uh, you know, every time we've gotten to the point where I'm going to strangle you, you pull something like this and it's magic. Thank you. Thank you. Look, it all started with her. Yeah, you you don't notice him he, until he does it. Then he's but he's already there before. Did he, did he that, slip into so. the scene in the last scene? Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, like he slips in at a specific point, like in this minute, and um, you see him kind of walk in, and then and uh, like in one shot, but it's already focused on Andy, and you're just so like focused i kind of love that he's subverting expectations here with the uh with the filmmaking language he's using he's doing this he's doing this really slow push on andy you know and the music tension is building and you know he's saying the epic thing and then just when you expect when you expect her to you know really ramp up the drama more then it's broken by house guest guy. Yeah, but I th- I think that you kind of needed it too. So it's uh, or at least I did. So it's I think it's a it's a pretty welcome interruption because things are getting heavy and things are getting serious. But it it, it allows you to have a second to re- relax before the next. Uh, the next serious thing happens. Well, and how would you get out of it? I mean, if that guy wasn't there to do it, how would this scene end? Would it just be a, a you know, a dramatic push and a cut, and then the next scene would have to just be silent and have somebody just like organizing some laundry or something. You'd have to, 
you'd have to have just a moment to like come down from that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, I mean it's it's kind of perfectly set up and and he's already been established as you know, he's there but he's goes, "Oh, not really here." Um so it's 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 he's it's already established so it doesn't feel like oh, they just pulled this out of nowhere to be a a thing for that. It's it's like, "No, he this is already an established character who is kind of doing what he did before, but it makes the uh, scene chill a little bit. So I, I think it worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, man, love, love his, uh, his character name is Daryl and it's spelled D E R O L, and I love that. Uh, I'm glad you. Um, I'm glad you attempted that. I couldn't remember anyone saying his name. I didn't want to quite attempt it myself. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I. I. So it's Daryl, but it's spelled like that. Um, um. One thing that I personally really love about, you know, the scene when we get back into the characters is. Um, Again, some of the shots, the shot composition with, uh, specifically, there's the shots that um, have both Claire and the Mona Lisa, which makes it really, I mean, like we were talking about in the last minute, it's it's a fairly small piece, but with the way that they composed that shot, it made it seem so much bigger than it normally is, and it makes it feel so imposing next to Claire um, that it kind of shows that for, I mean, Claire's certainly not an average person. Like she's, she's in, in politics. She's been built up by the whole miles machine, but you see that for most people, even people, anybody who's not on that level, just how imposing, posing this piece is in concept even if not necessarily in physical size yeah he does he does uh with you know using the long lens there he really does make that use that trick to make it look bigger and and looming over everybody i love it yeah well the, the thing is is that it's it's looming over claire specifically but he puts it on on the same level uh a pretty same level as Miles, so it, it's it's which I think is an interesting yeah. kind of cinematography choice is that it's looming and imposing and impressive against Claire, but it's it's it looks much more normal and kind of on the same level with Miles, and I think that we can tell so far in this movie that Ryan Johnson isn't necessarily trying to say oh so this is Miles is as great as the Mona Lisa like that that's not what you know, this is trying to say, I think it's trying to show like maybe necessarily like a level of respect or, or maybe just how, um, you know, looming he feels to people like Claire and not necessarily justified, but how, you know, the impression that he gives with his wealth and with his, um, you know, what he's attempting here. Well, in the very next, in the very next, you know, few seconds when we, 
when we hear about the legend of the Mona Lisa and how it, how it ties into the story. Um, I think that, you know, what, what you're saying is very accurate. What did I say to you guys? The first night that we hung out in the Glass Onion, what did I say? I want to be responsible for something that gets mentioned in the same breath as the Mona Lisa forever. And what does that mean? Oh, it means immortality. He wants to do something that's going to change. Wait a minute, Miles. Why do you have the Mona Lisa in your living room? In one week, I've invited world leaders and members of the press from all over to come to this island. And right here, I'm going to unveil the future. Uh, and kind of informs, informs that. I think that's just, you know, we're just being taken for a ride by Ryan Johnson here to uh, uh, he, he's telling us the story both with words and visually. I mm. think I think you're right about that. And and this reveal, God, these minutes that we got are just so everything in the movie. This is just the core I of the know. movie. Um, I'm just so happy. <laughs> <laughs> he. You know, the Mona Lisa is what started it all. They. He wanted to do something that would be mentioned in the same breath as the Mona Lisa. You know what this is? You know damn well we do. What's going on, Miles? Right. Which we already say, like, asked, like, what does that necessarily mean? And Bertie replies that it means immortality, like, at least to him. So he wants to have that same level of you know, kind of complete social, like complete immortality, which is an, which is an interesting, you know, it kind of shows, I think the core of why Miles does what he does and why he might, you know, not necessarily make all the best decisions or treat people poorly because he, he, his biggest goal more than anything else is to have that, be remembered or had to have something be remembered but it's 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 an interesting that is an interesting um like that's his stated goal like to have that stated goal be right here in this movie uh, or in this minute where he wants to be mentioned in the same breath as the Mona Lisa which is it's interesting that this is how he how he's choosing to go there not he doesn't as a child when he had that first inkling he didn't go okay let's learn how to be an artist or oh let's learn how to create something um he's he's doing it through some pretty kind of underhanded business deals really well and certainly uh, he's a manipulator Mm-hmm. You know, uh, convincing, finding finding a group of people that he knows can be powerful, and kind of creating a creating the situation, creating the the way for them to get popular because he knows he can't. He's not an actor. Right. He's not a scientist. He's not anything, but he's good at manipulating people, and he manipulated people to benefit this group of people. What do they? What do they call themselves? Not the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be a totally different movie there, or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, disruptors. Yeah. So that he could 
he could ride that tide. And yeah. they finally invented this thing. And this is where we get this big reveal. Do you want to talk about this reveal a little bit? Yeah, we can get maybe a little bit more into it. But he says that he this is what he believes is going to be his thing that propels him and to that level of immortality. And uh, it shows that he presents what looks like kind of a small crystal type thing that kind of a, with crystalline stock structure. Um, and this, the shot that has miles and Claire and the Mona Lisa kind of all in one shot is kind of a perfect shot. Um, but there's an immediate kind of tension as you can tell that, uh, Claire and Lionel are, are, are uneasy uh, and are treating this like, oh, we know what you're doing here. Um, but then the minute ends with Blanc going, I don't. Uh, so it's, it's it, even though it's not necessarily explicitly said until the next minute um, what this crystal is, you immediately, he, like, they're able to get the sense of how big this could be, especially since Miles seems to think that this could be his ticket to um, immortality. Uh, I have complicated feelings about Lionel's reaction. Mm. You know, Lionel knows, and I'm just, I don't, yeah, I'm just, Lionel knows what this stuff is. And he knows that it's dangerous. And right. Well, it isn't explicitly said in this, you know, in this exchange until later, uh, you know, maybe the next minute or whatever. But yeah, he doesn't yet know that the whole house is being, you know, powered by this thing. Uh, I got to talk about this now because <laughs> it's, it's Lionel. <laughs> we could talk about it again in the next minute. Um, but I wonder if there's just this, you know, the thought bubble over his head is like, Hey, this, this jerk had a, a giant, you know, crack lighting torch, open flame thing going on five minutes ago. And now he's getting ready to tell me this thing, you know, is, is running the house. The stuff is in the air. (laughs) I mean, at the very least that he's, he's handling it. It's, uh, yeah. I I mean, I think we've got a lot to discuss next minute, but also you can, you can immediately tell. But you can immediately tell that both Claire and Lionel, who are really, I mean, the more, like, like they're still part of this group, but they're kind of the, considered the more kind of grounded people yeah. in this kind of group, like, comparatively, which I guess is not necessarily saying all that much, but they're both fully aware because of what we'll, we'll find out where it is like that like some level of being complicit but uh the mood completely changes from like at the start of the minute claire is like oh well sometimes i want to hit you but then you pull something like this versus uh at the end of the minute where any sort of positivity she might have been feeling is just completely gone claire is one of those people that i think doesn't suffer. I think she's the one that suffer fools the least uh, of all the people. Yeah. I think she's just yeah. an exasperated mom. 
governor, but like exasperated mom who just does, like doesn't have time for people's BS theatrics. And I think that's why she wants to hit Miles sometimes. But then he then he pulls something like this. <laughs> then he pulls something like the Mona Lisa, and you go, okay, and how can you not be this impressed? is why... Right, and well, and this is like, oh, it, it, you see, like, okay, a level of, like, kind of opportunism of, like, well, this is why I put up with the fool of, of Miles is uh, because, um, you know, he, he only he can do something like that. So it, it's, it's, you know, yes, he is not a, you know, he's a, he is a fool, but, um, you know, okay, you can suffer him a little bit for, uh, for that. But then at the end of this minute, she realized, oh yeah, no, he can do something really amazing, but then he can also do something less amazing. And that's what he's trying to pull here. So you see the real kind of 180 that she does with Miles in this minute where it's like, Oh, I, sometimes I want to hit you, but, you know, then you pull something all like this off. And then you get to that moment where it's like, oh, yeah, that's why he, she, she'd want to hit him. So uh, I, I don't really have anything else to say about this because the reveal of, you know, the crystal and what that all means and everything looms so, so strongly in the next minute. And we get to talk about that. So Ooh, like, I kind of want, yeah. want to save it for that. Uh, but I, I do want to say... There's one other thing I'm impressed about in this minute. And, you know, as a, as a person who works with, you know, a lot of models and a lot of fashion and, and makeup and, and people doing stuff, mm-hmm. I love Bertie's whole thing. Bertie's whole thing where her eyes, her, uh, her eyeshadow is like almost iridescent and matching the dress. I'm just so impressed by that. I know that's stupid and shallow, but that's. That's no, what I do. No, no, no. <laughs> That's what I do, and I love this whole thing. I I never noticed before how well coordinated uh, her makeup was with her dress. It's perfect. It's like someone someone designed it. She herself is a fashionista work of art. <laughs> yeah. No. She she is. Birdie is is phenomenal, and I I I mean, in my previous minutes, we 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 were we were definitely discussing like I don't know if I like. Like, yes, she's kind of horrible, but also can't help but love Birdie's whole thing. And it's, I mean, you see how people like Yo-Yo Ma get, like, (laughs) brought into her orbit. Because there is something, like, very, uh, like, I don't know, kind of magnetic about her whole everything. Yeah. With her... I, I'm stealing, I'm stealing this whole concept for a for a shoot at some point in the future for sure. Oh hell yeah, that'll be that's that's great. Uh, but yeah, she's where it's like that's that's kind of where I've gotten with Birdie too. Where I'm like, oh, she's kind of horrible, but also I kind of love her. So. <laughs> Is there a is there a question for this day? No, there isn't. Is there anything else that you'd like to bring up for uh, this minute? Oh uh, no, that is that. I'm excited to get to the next minute and talk about the. Me too. Me you too. Know what and all, all right. That. <laughs> all right. Well, let's. Uh, I think we can um, end it there. Uh, thank you for joining me again today, Curtis. Uh, where can people find you? 
Uh, just come to blazeportraits.com. It's spelled like the fire, blazeportraits.com. Perfect. And you can find this podcast at Glass Onion Men on Twitter. Um, also, please um, rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff on your podcatcher or podcast platform of choice. Uh, and I think that's going to do it. So thank you for joining me today, and I will see you tomorrow. Baby, you don't know.